Any questions from last week? Just to, I, I have somewhat of a, an apology to make. I understand that I was going a little bit fast last week. And uh, building the foundation is a very large uh, prospect for me. Uh, we built, uh, the first three steps are building the foundation of our recovery, and it has one heck of a lot of information that I need, and I needed in the beginning to do what it is that I do today. You know, I've been sober since I uh, first came around in 77, and that's because I had a foundation by the time I hit that first meeting. So for me, I'm taking my experience, strength, and hope. My experience uh, is with the work. My strength is in my working of the program, and my hope is in the trust that I have in my God. And that's how I work it today. So I'm going to go a little bit slower, but uh, we're going to be covering two and three, which is a volume. Four is actually easy, and I know you've heard that four is terrible, uh, something to avoid. But if you've done the first step, that's the biggest inventory you're going to take. That's what we do in program. We inventory. Out of our inventory, we find a solution, and out of that solution, we form an action that we take. That's our old program in three sentences. You got some handouts I've put out, and the first thing on your handout should be the set-aside prayer. Now, what the set-aside prayer does, and I do it every time I read the book, is that when I go back into the book, I read the set-aside prayer. I don't want to relearn what I already know. What I want to do is experience a new experience with the work that I'm about to read. That means I take what I've learned, what I've practiced up until that moment, and put it to the test of what I'm reading today. And that's what the set-aside sets. Sets us up to have a new experience with the work. And if we can have a moment of silence. Dear God, please set aside everything we think we know about ourselves, the big book, alcoholism, the steps, and in spiritual terms, especially you, God. Father, yes, that we have a truly open mind so we might have a new experience with these things. Please help us see the truth. Amen. Okay, just a little reminder. This is not a regular AA meeting. Okay, as you can see, uh, I'm going to be doing all the talking. Uh, but if I, uh, if I happen to outpace some of you, Raise your hand, whistle, do something, I'll repeat it. Uh, one of the things that I found is after, uh, I, I, I take people through the work this way, and they highlight, they do it, and uh, they go back and read the work. They will start seeing it. If you see it this week, you'll see it different than you saw it last week. Okay? So hopefully you all will have a new experience with what we do and what we practice our program. The simplicity of the program requires just one word, and that's the one word of how, honest, open, and willingness, all right? If we come into the work with that, it's all downhill, and hopefully the honest, open, and willingness is given to us, and we're the only ones that can experience that first step, and it's given it to us by what happens to us when we drank the misery and suffering that we go through. And what we're afraid of is the pain of change and the pain of change in the awareness. That's why the first step is such a, a monumental inventory, if you will, because what we have to do is we have to balance what we're going to learn in the first step with what 
we've been doing all our lives, and that is to build up a system of denial, a system of resistance. Everything I hear, I'm going to reject if it's not going to get me to my next drink. So that's what I do in, uh, as a drunk. Anything that you try to impede in me. That's why the word suggested is uh, uh, very interesting because it's meant to hint. It's not meant to go around, uh, to go straight forth a fight. Uh, you have a, a, a definition of suggested on your handout. I don't have it on my handout. What's it, uh, the... Uh, Right. Suggested, to introduce indirectly to the mind. So when they say suggested, it's not an option. Okay? What they're trying to do is get behind my denial. Uh, and that's what it is, because I'm so used to you coming up to me and uh, saying something about my drinking, I'm going to instantly react. I don't have to think about it anymore. That's the unmanageability that we saw in the first step. The unmanageability of fighting. And you have a brief synopsis uh, in your, on your handouts for step one. Okay, but basically it's the resistance to change, the, the continuation. The problem that I have is in my mind and I have no other alternative except to continue down a path of the way I've been going. I can't do it. There's no way that I can do it. I try to drink normal. I resist the fact that I'm abnormal when it comes to alcohol. That's my first step. It's not that I'm a bad person. It's not that I uh, uh, am a willfully bad person. But I do things that are inconsistent with who I am. And then I deny those things. That's the essence, uh, in a nutshell, of what step one is. I'm resistant to hearing the truth about who I am. Now, uh, when, it co when we come into program, we're asked, to take an inventory of ourselves as far as the first step is concerned. I, I am informed that it's a disease, okay? And that, when I look at myself, it has a pathology, it has a, a, a chronicity, and it gets worse untreated over time. That's what the, a disease is. It also says where the disease resides. And the disease does not reside in the bottle. It resides between my ears. It resides down deep inside of me, my resistance to that change, that denial, that anger that forces me to get irritable, restless, and discontent. There's my first step. And I am hopeless. I cannot do anything about it. So when I take that inventory and sitting there and know that I'm hopeless in and of myself, I have nothing else to do except one thing. What is the solution? And that's where we come into step two. Okay, so you have an, uh, an overview for those who might have missed last week on your handouts about uh, what step one is, the requirements. People say that there are no requirements, but there are a lot of requirements in the program. So suggested is meant to get around the denial, and Bill was a salesman, and he knows if he turned around and told you to do something, you wouldn't do it. But if he suggests it to you, you might have a little open ear. So he knew the drunk. Him in the first 100 knew the drunk. And that's what this uh, program is all about. The people say that it's a we program. Well, it's not a we program until I do what they did. The we up there, when it starts off, is we. It's the people telling me what they did. Our big book is a 12-step in print. It was meant to go out to others that they couldn't touch personally. So everything is in the book that I need to get well. 
My 12 steps are on the first 103 pages. I know people say that the steps of uh, our program is in 164 pages. Well, anything after 103 is their experience, but not the steps. Anything I say up here, by the way, is my opinion. If it conflicts with a sponsor or so, well, go to see your sponsor, okay? I don't want to get into a war. I get into enough of them ignorantly. This brings us to step two. I've taken an inventory. I've seen that I'm hopeless. I see that I cannot do anything. I've strayed away from either my church, my God, or never had one. So I'm basically, most alcoholics come in here, uh, and that's why they have a whole chapter to it. And by the way, everything up until page 44 in your big book, and if you can open up to 44, we'll start there. Up to page 44 is step one. The founders thought it necessary to do over 40-odd pages of step one. That is our foundation. Our step two is our cornerstone to that foundation. You cannot build anything without setting a good cornerstone because that has to be plumb and square to the foundation. And that's what uh, the metaphor for our step two is, is the cornerstone for the building of an arch that we're going to walk through to freedom. Okay, step two. Step two, uh, uh, step one, by the way, is not about not drinking. Never had a choice, never will have a choice. Agnostic, as you see on your handouts, is one who denies any knowledge of the ultimate nature of things. This is out of the 37 dictionary. Now, what that really means is that I really don't know if there is a God. I don't deny that there may be one. And especially uh, since uh, my step one tells me that I've been playing God, I'm, really there has been no room for uh, even thinking along the lines that there may be another God. This chapter is to reinforce that there is something beyond me. So we're going to seek a power that we lack. And uh, chapter four is de devoted to that cornerstone and to that second step. All right? It starts off, though, is saying that we've learned something of alcoholism. That's in the uh, 44.1. And uh, when I put the second uh, number there, it's according to the paragraph. Now, here's the first thing that they're going to ask you. They're going to set up a question. The step one question is, if you honestly, and we're going to hear that over and over again, that word honestly, want what we have, what you uh, find that you cannot quit entirely, Okay, now quitting entirely. How many times have you heard, oh, I stop all the time? Well, it isn't about stopping from time to time. You want to stop, and we'll get to it in uh, the 12th step, but if you want to stop entirely for the rest of your life, this is what we've done. It's not about quitting a day at a time. I take life at a day at a time, but I don't take my program a day at a time on my drinking. That problem has been removed when I do the steps. If you honestly want to and you cannot uh, quit entirely or when drinking you have little control over the amount you take you are probably alcoholic this is reinforcing your first step it also goes on that it's suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer it's setting us up to tell us what the program is all about and our program is a spiritual solution for our alcoholism now the, uh, on uh, 44.2 it gives us the either-or proposition. We are either doomed to an alcoholic death or live on a spiritual basis. Again, it's setting us up for what the program truly is. All right, and it reaffirms that 
in 44.3, halfway through the, pro, uh, the paragraph, and here is a requirement for the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. We must find a spiritual basis of life. Now, one of the things that you're going to uh, do, and uh, again, uh, what we said last week, is that the founders knew how to 12-step. They will repeat things over and over again to get it through my thick, mixed skull. All right, page 45. With all these things, uh, it's right up at the top, so it's 45-0, things with all our might, but we needed a power that wasn't there. It's talking about our struggle with alcohol, that we couldn't overcome it. It's reinforcing our lack of power. And then right in 45-1, lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Now, that's another requirement. When you see the word had, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, well, if you want to. This is the beginnings of setting the cornerstone for our sobriety. On 45.2, it lays out what the purpose of the steps are. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. The definition of moral is truth. What is the truth? Okay. So it's our thinking that's the problem. And it's not really a decision. You're also seeing the solution. And that comes from the inventory that you've already taken, the hardest inventory any drunk will take is to see that he's alcoholic, see that he can't do it, and see that he needs to do something different. And I'm a sexist sometimes, so that he is also a she. Which comes to 46, the top of the page, about old ideas. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. Okay, what's it telling us there? That I usually turn around and I compare myself with others. I can see the faults in others, but yet I don't correct the same in myself. And this is what it's telling me. That's what my old ideas was. I went around comparing myself with others, and I did not turn around and start identifying nor wish to grow. That kept me in the same place of unmanageability, or the uh, examples of the unmanageability, because it was my mind that was doing it. The examples of unmanageability are when I get thrown over the car, uh, the hood of the police car. That's an example of my unmanageability. The unmanageability is how, what thinking got me there, and the thinking that told me it was okay after I got there. Okay, that's the unmanageability. And as it says, the problem is in our mind. On 46.1, another requirement, but these are the second step questions. We found that if I'm going to ask somebody, and, I, uh, and this is another 12-step uh, aspect, I'm, are you willing to lay aside your prejudice? And then once you do, if you are willing to set, uh, uh, express even a willingness to believe in the power, okay? So it doesn't say you have to believe. It says just let me be different than I was yesterday just a willingness to believe that there may be something uh, more powerful than me. There's a promise right there. We commence to get results once we even admitted that. And we'll see a lot of promises today.
46, paragraph 2. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, no matter how inadequate, was sufficient. As soon as we admitted the possibility of the existence of a creative intelligent, and here's your second step here, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So in that one little paragraph, you get a promise. You have your second step as soon as I admitted that there was a, a power greater than myself. And I started, uh, and I needed to, uh, and I got the power and direction. And all that I needed to do is take a few other simple steps. Program's not hard. They're even telling us, and they're setting us up for it uh, to be, okay? And by the way, our second step promised sanity. On page 84.3, there's a promise. And if you look at the promise on 84.3, you will see that the promise says, after we work the steps, it's one of the tenth step promises. So just because I'm willing to believe doesn't restore me to sanity. I have to work the steps, and then, as a ten-step promise, I get restored to sanity. Okay, and the tenth step is after a bunch of others that come before it, just in case somebody here is deficient in counting. The sanity, though, begins here, because before I did not believe that a power greater than myself. So if I just change my course just a little bit and come to believe that there may be a power, I'm starting to get a little saner than when I denied it. This is the breaking down, okay? A continuation of the surrender of self and a, an element of humility that we have, okay? And here begins the humility, okay? Breaking down my denial, the surrender, okay? When Japan surrendered on the Missouri, they didn't say, okay, I quit, that's it. They had to go about dismantling their offensive weapons burn their guns and do all the other things. Well, we're like that. We need, if we're just going to surrender, we have to start dismantling our denial system. And it begins here by humbly saying that I am not the center of the universe. Right at the bottom, to us, the realm of the spirit is a broad and roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. Earnestly is another way of saying honest. If I'm going to seek, I'm going to get it. On top of page 47, 47.1, your own conception of God. Here's the redundancy of our founders teaching us that it's about you and how you see your God, not how I see my God, that you should do it my way. 47.2, here's the cornerstone. Do I believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? There's another redundancy from the page before. And here's the question you ask your pigeons. Do you believe or are you willing to believe that there is a power greater than you? And if the answer is yes, he's starting to set the cornerstone. And one of the things is, is that when uh, you come to this with uh, someone, you ask them, be still. Ask yourself, are you really willing? It's like the question of conceding to yourself in the first step. These are propositions that you're going, or that you are signing off on. It's not something to say, oh yeah, I quit. 
all right? Yeah, there's a God. These are the foundations of our program, and this is what's going to stimulate you for the rest of your lives, or that's what stimulated me for the rest of my lives. They talk about on page 48 the blocks to spiritual growth, right at the top, obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Unreasoning prejudice means I don't uh, take it for what it is. I, I start using my denial system, and I don't sit down and reason out the thought. Okay, and I come in here with a lot of them. One of them I can think of right off the top of my head. Never trust a man that doesn't drink. But I never follow through with that and say, would I trust me? Now, you could trust me back to back, belly to belly in a bar to uh, take you back. That you might have trusted me with. There's a lot of other things I wouldn't have trusted me with. On page, bottom uh, page 49, this is how we used to, uh, uh, and some carry this and all carry it into program. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritual-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. Okay, again, it's being redundant and saying lay aside your prejudice, put down your denial, start seeing it for what it is. You can't do it. You can't play God. Let's see, or we found that we couldn't continue to play God. Because remember, it's our founders talking to us. Okay? And again, it's a reminder that we find our God, each and every one of us. Okay? And my God can be your God, but doesn't have to be. Okay, there's the uniqueness of our program. You start from where you are, not where so, when somebody else wants you to be or where you think you should be. Okay, and we'll talk about those in our character defects, the way we should on ourselves. It also tells us on page 50, uh, paragraph 2, of what the stories in the back of the book are. Okay, and it's a repeat from page 29-2 that each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. So that's what the stories are in the back. Gives you a promise we need not be worried at the end of that. Okay, the questions that each person will settle for himself. 53. Everyone has gained access to, believes in a power greater than himself. This power has, in each case, accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. In other words, it's giving you a promise there. Uh, what I said was on page 50, paragraph 2, that uh, it's a redundancy from page 29-2, that each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Then at the uh, bottom of that, there's a small little promise that we need not be worried, for each individual is to settle the question for themselves. Okay, and that's what it is. You settle your God problem inside yourselves. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Uh, 50, paragraph 3. Everyone has gained access to, not most, everyone has gained access to, believes in a power greater than himself. In each case has accomplished the miraculous and the humanly impossible. Okay, there's the beginnings of uh, a couple of uh, promises and there's going to be uh, some uh, a little bit later. Uh, they flatly declare, and this is in paragraph 4 on page 50, that they have come to believe in a power greater themselves, that's step two, to take certain attitude towards that power, which we'll talk about today is 
step three, and to do certain simple things. Those simple things, again, the other word, simple. The program is not hard or complex. It's simple. There has been a, uh, simple things, and that's steps four through 12, has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. That's a spiritual awakening. And at the end, it says, they have found a new power, peace, happiness, sense of direction flowed into them. Those are your second step promises. At the end, they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements, another redundancy, do the steps. Here's some direction on top of page 51. They show how change has overcome them. They say that the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important fact of their lives. Okay, another way, way of doing that is I live the prayer today, the prayer of sobriety. <coughs> Let me be a service to others. On page 52, paragraph 2. I'm going to put down uh, on there, you can put down a dry drunk because this is what happens to us to get irritable, restless, and discontent. But it also happens to us if we don't work the program, okay? Uh, but we need to have the, uh, and here's a direction uh, on the first sentence, change our point of view. That's another way of saying change our whole consciousness and thoughts about what it is that I need to do, okay? And here's the signs of being a dry drunk. Having trouble with personal relationships, we couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. Uh, we had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Okay, it's also called the bedevilments. But these are the things that we need to keep an eye on. The solution Okay, and again, there was the problem. The solution of these bedevilments were more important than whether we should see the newsreels of flights. Okay, so uh, they're going to give us the solution, which is on 52, paragraph 3. To solve the problems by a simple reliance on the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. That's not only a solution, but it's also a requirement if you look at it, okay? They didn't beat around the bush. This was serious business. Now on page 53, paragraph 2, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God is either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? So they're asking you in your second step to make a choice. All right, and that's what the choice is. And these are action steps. If I take an inventory and my first step is my inventory, it's an action. It's something to do. It's not a passive thing where, oh, I just surrender. All right? I know a lot of people in the room say that the first two steps, you don't have to really do anything. But we saw last week, there's a lot to do. Taking inventory was not comfortable. I had to take a look at what my alcoholism was doing to me. And here I have to seek out my power and be willing to turn my will and life over in my third step. That is not a non-action activity. Okay? Now, they're talking, going to be talking to us agnostics in page 55. 
And it's an answer to the question that was uh, proposed on page 45. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, but deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. And they go on to say that it may be obscured, etc. But that's where we look, because it asks where and how in the question earlier in the chapter. And they come up with the solution. The where is deep inside of us, we're going to find our God. Third paragraph, we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of, uh, of our makeup. So it was a part of us, our faith in God. That's what we denied and what we saw in our first step. God was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within inside of us. And that means we stop our minds and start looking and feeling our soul, okay, which we do in our 11th step. It's only there that God may be found. It was so with us. Again, they're telling you their lead. 55, paragraph 4. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, there's that other word again, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then, if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. Here's another promise for you. This, with this attitude, you cannot fail. So they're promising us a lot of things if we do the simple program honestly. The last promise is on page 57, paragraph 3 of the last sentence. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. Okay, there's another promise, and it ends the chapter to the agnostics, but it's not the end of step two. One of the ones, and if you want it, uh, just email me, uh, is uh, a prayer of surrender. Okay, what I'm doing here with the second step is I'm beginning the process of surrender and turning over my life. And it's by Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself and the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that desire to please you does in fact please you and hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know if I do this, you will lead me through the right road, though I may not know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are with, forever with me, if you will never leave me to face peril alone. There's my second step completion prayer. Up to page 58, which begins how it works. How many times have you heard in the rooms, I don't know how it works. Well, we have a whole chapter on how it works. Beginning with rarely have we seen a person fail. I have truly never seen a person fail. I've seen a person resistant where they thought they could get away with things. Uh, when I first came around, I used to hammer people that came back from relapses because I wanted to find out what they did or didn't do. I remember one time uh, somebody said, leave the guy alone. I said, no, he's going he's to tell me what he did, you know. Anyway, I wanted to stay well. And they held the key, and everyone held back somewhere. Everyone did not fulfill their steps. And they basically knew it at the time they did it, but it got lost to where, when they usually came back in the rooms, they said people would ask them, well, what happened? I stopped going to meetings. 
Well, that's right before the drunk started. The original big book said uh, that they fo thoroughly followed our path. Uh, our uh, said fo thoroughly followed our direction. Those in the beginning, wisely enough, knew that if they threw direction in, nobody would follow it. So, all right? So they changed it from direction to path. Thoroughly is perfect and complete. That's what the definition of thoroughly means. It doesn't mean half-assed, okay? But yet, if I'm sitting in and haven't surrendered and haven't turned, uh, thought to turn my will over and I don't believe that I am still God, I am going to dice words. But thoroughly is complete. Uh, by the way, uh, fearless is intrepid and bold. It's not without some anxiety. Moral is your behavior, the inner meaning, the truth. Honesty is sincere, honorable, and fair. Decide is to bring to conclusion or resolve. And decision is the act of deciding. Settlement. And we're going to be coming up on our third decision to make. When a judge makes a decision, it becomes law. So when we're deciding these things, it becomes a matter of law for me, the individual to take into my heart and start the doing. Okay? Because there's a decision uh, on 58.2, and it's about the, uh, still, we're still in the second step. If you have decided what we have, what, that you want what we have, and are willing to go to any length, that's another way of saying honestly, isn't it? Okay, they're get, starting to get redundant here, maybe? Okay, because they're going to tell you again, right in the next paragraph, 58.3. With all the earnestness at our command, another way of saying with all the honesty that I can muster, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Thorough is all-encompassing. It doesn't mean leaving out this, that, and the other thing because I'm uncomfortable. Okay? A hangover and the misery and suffering I have is uncomfortable. We have to let go absolutely. And there's another end-all and be-all word. Remember, we deal with alcohol, cunning and baffling. That's probably one of the only things I change in the big book because it's not alcohol, it's cunning and baffling. It's my alcoholism in me that's cunning and baffling. I put a bottle here, ain't going to do diddly squat until I put it inside myself then I become cunning and baffling. Oh, actually, I was cunning and baffling to pick it up beforehand. Top of page 59. Without help, it is too much for us. And that help comes from others that have walked the walk and have experience with the steps. That's what our fellowship is about. Our fellowship has come out of the program, and sometimes it's replaced as the program. The one who has all power, that one is God. May you find him now. And here's the second step prayer, right uh, below that. We asked his protection and care with complete abandonment. By this time, I'm starting to get a sense of who I have been, what I don't want to be, how it's impacted, the hopelessness that I have, and the willingness is starting to build on the solution of going to my God. It gives the suggested steps. Again, it was a hint, okay, to get behind the, my denial. It wasn't meant, if you wish. A guy named Jack B., uh, an old-time drunk from the Bowery, used to say, 
that it was like being on a plane with a parachute and the pull ring, the pull cord. Well, when the plane's going down and you jump out the plane, I suggest you pull the ripcord. It's with that same desperation, if I jump out of the plane, that I have to pull these 12 ripcords. And hopefully, that desperation comes from doing a good inventory on your first step. Because if you don't have fear after you've done your first step, you haven't done it right. Or maybe you need to drink again. But these are the 12 uh, propositions that they lay out for us to lead a spiritual way of life is on page 59. Again, on page 60, paragraph 1, about midway down, willing to grow along spiritual lines. They're ramming home the, uh, another part of the second step. And the ABCs finish up the second step. So your second step goes from the chapter to the agnostics, page 44, to page 60 with the ABCs. A is step 1, B is step 1, and C is step 2. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God could and would if he were short. Now, in the original manuscript of the second step here, at this point, it said if, uh, along the words of, if you are not convinced, please reread up until this point or throw the book away. Because they knew, they intuitively knew, and they worked it for themselves that if you didn't set the foundation in the cornerstone, the rest of the steps are not going to work for you. All right? And now if you look at what we went through last week, uh, an hour and change, and this week up until this point, another, not even an hour. For those that are working through the steps of the first step, You've just taken your first two steps. If you said the prayers, you're aware of your hopelessness. It doesn't take long at all. Dr. Bob took these people through the same thing in a short amount of time, took them upstairs to the bedroom. They both got on their knees, said the third step prayer, were acquainted with their handicaps, their grosser handicaps, and they were out 12-stepping within a couple of days. That's not only how serious they took their program, but how intently and with dispatch and need to do it quickly. Because see, me the drunk, if I start getting the wrinkles out of my belly, I start getting comfortable. And why do I need to do all this stuff? After all, ain't I sober? Okay, and as I said last week, there's a distinct difference for me, the difference between sobriety and abstinence. Sobriety is sound and sane thinking. Absence is not having any alcohol in me. Totally two different things. Okay, page 60, paragraph 3, right after the ABCs. Being convinced, we were at step 3, that we decided, decision again, decided, past tense, to turn our will and life over to God. And son of a gun is another requirement. Page 60, Paragraph 4, the first requirement that we be convinced that any life run on self-will, and now here they're going to re be redundant in reviewing what we just went through, the first two steps, to tell you what you need to take your third step. That any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Well, we proved that in our first and second steps. Page 62, it's going to be a redundancy 
and a forebearer of what we're going to find in our fourth step. A redundancy in that we saw this in our first step, 60, paragraph 1. Selfishness and self-centeredness, that, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows. That is our ego. That is the problem. That is the unmanageability in the first step. And as uh, we've learned, if they throw out a problem in the big book, they're going to come up with a solution. Solution's a little bit further down and uh, right after that. Okay, and it also gives us an idea of what our fourth step is going to reveal to us in the last sentence of uh, paragraph 62.1. That sometime in the past we have made decisions based on self which, will, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. How many times do I project onto others? Well, we're going to find that selfishness in step four, which is uh, at the end of this uh, session today. But that's exactly what uh, they're doing. They always have a plan in mind. They always have the program in mind, and they intuitively know. So when they're speaking to us, they're going to be talking about things that we're going to be starting to see very shortly. And that's one of them. We're going to see in step four how my selfishness, my sense of self, and my always focusing on myself has caused misery in my life, and people retaliate, and I was PO'd at them, okay? Because it's them. It's always them, isn't it? It's always them. It's never me, okay? There's my ego. I want to protect it. There's the defensiveness in my first step. That's what I'm going to be surrendering to and uh, turning my will. My will is my thinking. My life is my actions over to the care of my God. And here's my third step. Okay? But it's setting us up for that. 60, paragraph 2. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They're reinforcing that time and time again. Halfway down in that paragraph. Paragraph. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, and uh, turn my will and my life, which are my actions. Life is my actions. I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're on page 62. I know, you, uh, I, I know you don't think so because I have a neutral accent. <laughs> okay. Uh, 62.1 was uh, selfishness and self-centered. That's the problem. Okay. On page, uh, and 62.2, so troubles, we think, are basically of our own making, and they're, they're going to start owning responsibility. Okay, and that's what our program does, is give me the responsibility. And halfway down, uh, paragraph two, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without God's aid. All right. Now, one of the things about people saying that they can do it by themselves, I come in here with distorted thinking. Delusional thinking, as we found out, in the first step. And I'm going to try to fix a problem with delusional thought. So when I add a problem plus delusional thought, I get the delusional results. And yet, I'll live in it. Because I'll think that that's good. Okay, that's why we have to be willing to change everything. Because I've noticed one, one paradox is the person that's usually not willing to change everything, usually winds up changing everything. But if I become willing to change everything, I really don't have to work that hard. 
That's the paradox of the program. So once I become willing to do anything and everything, I usually don't have to. Very true. I've learned that to be true time and time over again. It's about one of the other promises we'll uh, talk about later on is that the willingness to fight. The war is over. So we can't do without self-delusion. It's what does not work here. We had to have God's help. That was the last sentence in paragraph two. Here's, uh, here's the solution and the solution of self-centeredness. Okay, 62.3 and a requirement. First of all, we had, operative word had, to quit playing God. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agent. One of the metaphors are thrown up in uh, the next to last line, keystone of a triumphant arch. The keystone is, if we set the cornerstone, and we start uh, coming off that square cornerstone and build an arch, that middle one that holds everything together that those two sides rest on is called the keystone. All right? That's the building metaphor for what we've just done. We've set the uh, foundation, which is our first, the cornerstone, which is our second, and now we're setting the keystone in our third step to walk to freedom. Because there's the promise at the last, the last three sentences, uh, the last three words on that page, path to freedom. Page 63. Here are the third step promises. We read the ninth step promises all the time, but there's uh, promises. When we sincerely, that means honestly, took such a position, which means that we've uh, done all the things that we've talked about, all sorts of remarkable things have happened. We have a new employer that's all-powerful. My employer provides what I need if I keep close to him. We become less and less interested in ourselves. We become interested in seeing what we can contribute to life instead of taking from life. We felt a new power flow in. We enjoyed peace of mind. We discovered we could face life successfully. We became conscious of the presence of God and we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. Reborn is a new beginning. Losing our fears, they're setting us up for the fourth step. Because that's one of the things we look at in our fourth step, is our fears. That brings us to the prayer and the actual action. They talk about the third step, made, or make, or do the work. They talk about it in the past tense. See, our sponsors have already done all the work that they're asking us to do. So this is their experience. When we take action, we bring it to a conclusion. We're going to cement that keystone into our first three steps. As I said before, when a judge makes a decision, it's a settlement. That's it. You don't argue. You're either going to jail or something, but something's going to happen, okay? Because the judge has made a decision. You hear it a lot in the rooms that the first three steps are nothing. You only think about making a decision and whatnot. Well, when I go on vacation, I make a decision to go on vacation, that agent gets called, the tickets get bought, and the bags get packed. And that's what the third step is asking us to do. The other adage uh, they uh, use, or the metaphor, if uh, three uh, frogs are sitting on a log and uh, one decides to jump off, how many are there? And they'll say, three. No, you hear a splash. 
that one frog made a decision, he's gone. This step here is a very important step because it's going to it, it's, it's begin a life that was different than before we took it, uh, before we took the first two. So it's not to be taken lightly. You need to take pause because it's going to change your life. And that's not an easy decision. Because there are benefits to drinking, oblivion, lack of responsibility, and a lot of other things. And I fully understand that. Okay, but when I take somebody up to this step, I say, take pause. You know, I'll take, I'm going to take it with you. But you need to decide that you want it. That's why in the first edition, if you didn't, uh, 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 the first uh, writing, the monolith of it, uh, the multilith of it, that they said, hey, throw the book away if you're up to this and you're not convinced. Because it isn't about plugging into meetings anymore. Well, my program isn't about plugging into meetings. I go to meetings. I go to meetings to find people to work with and to seek the fellowship I crave. That's what I go to meetings for. I work the program 24 hours a day. And that's what it's asking you to do. It's not about not drinking. It's about making a decision to change your life. The life as you know it. And that's fearful. So when you get to this point in the program, you take pause. Do I really want it? Am I willing to change everything if I need to? And that's what this step is about. So we take pause. Those who wish to reinforce their third step with us today, and those that haven't done it and wish to. It's on page 63, paragraph 2. We'll say the uh, third step prayer together, if you will. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that may be over them and bear witness that I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And then right after that it gives us we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. That's without reservation, without question. And that's your God, whoever your God is. And that's where, why uh, early on uh, last week I gave you those things uh, after you took your first step, the first uh, week inventory. Because you ask yourself as you go throughout the day, is it right, is it wrong, uh, am I in line with my God? Because it take it, it, it's like a good sermon in church. I take it outside of here, and that's where uh, the rubber meets the road, outside the rooms. And here it's very easy. I remember in early AA, I did not totally surrender, okay, certain things. The more I did the work, the more I surrendered. But I remember very early, I would say at an AA meeting and be totally, what I believe, to be honest, is that I can be uh, honest in here, between the preamble and the hour, Father, but I've got to go outside in them streets. I still burdened with fears that I did not recognize. And I really thought that. Don't think it today because I've done the work. So it is a process, but this begins the process. Now I've sewn myself up, okay? I see where I've been. I see the true enormity of my disease. I see the solution in my second step, and now I'm willing to implement my God into my life. And that's what this third step is about implementing my God into my life. 
page 63.3, voicing it without reservation is only the beginning, though honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one, felt at once. I did a semi-third uh, step prayer with the person that 12-stepped me, and he said, am I willing to go to any lengths? And I said, yeah, I'll do what I have to do. Okay, and at that moment I got relief. And that was on the first day. I didn't even hit my first meeting. He took me through the first three steps in about three hours. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. He didn't say we were sitting down in the first three. Okay, but it was a true 12 step uh, in, in the sense that I knew that I, when I left him, I knew I was an alcoholic. I knew I couldn't do it myself. And I knew I was willing to go to any lengths and in part work the AA program, whatever it was. And I was on 2777, and I haven't looked back yet. Okay, I've been on the pink cloud since then. Now, I've crashed a few times, but I enjoyed the crashes. I got back up and went, you know, but I've never drank. But it wasn't me that wasn't drinking. God relieved it from me. See, I don't have a choice today. I know that. I know that from the bottom of my heart. I don't choose not to drink today. I work my program, and that problem is uh, taken care of. I work my program to solve my other problems today or the problems that I perceive I have, because I usually don't have any of those either. But given enough time, if I think about it, I'll, I'll work up a problem. You know, I, I still have the old thinking. Page 64.4. It reinforces what we just said and did. Top of the page. Our decision was vital. That means vital to life. Without, that is necessary to sustain life is vital and crucial step. It could have little or permanent effect unless at once followed, okay? They're going to repeat it, and here's another direction. At once followed by strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. And blocking us from what? The sunlight of the Spirit. Blocking us from my God, because my denial and my resistance is a blockage of that. A resistance to God. That's what my denial is. Not necessarily a resistance that I have a problem with alcohol, but a resistance to the fact that I need my God in my life. 64.1 Therefore we started upon a personal inventory. I missed something. Oh yeah, down at the bottom. They missed this one. And I, I just unconsciously missed it. Bottom of page 63. After our third step, it says next we launched, meaning we do it right away, okay? And there are very various ways of getting rid of our, uh, our grosser handicaps, but it does say, and this is a time-directed action. Next doesn't mean that we take the next six months off to relax on our first three steps, okay? Now, how could I ever have missed that one? All right, we're back on to page 64. Bottom of the uh, first paragraph, uh, or the uh, zero paragraph, the top of the page. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. The causes and conditions aren't the cause of my alcoholism. I just accept the fact that I'm an alcoholic. The causes and conditions, what they talk about, is the causes and conditions that set me up to be irritable, restless, and discontent. All right? That's what I need to know. We can sit around all day and uh, look at my belly button and find out if it's genetic or this way or that way. It doesn't matter. I got it. Now I got to deal with it. 
So that's what the, uh, so liquor was a symptom and we had to get down to causes and conditions. And it is a, uh, in uh, paragraph one on 64, it is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It's an effort to discover the truth. And there is no one that I have ever met that didn't have all of that bouncing in their heads, distorted as it may be, the truth about themselves. All right, that I wasn't a good father, or I was an overbearing father, or that I was a uh, not too good or a lousy husband, although I rationalized it and da 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 da. All those things are bouncing in my head when I come into the program. And what it is is that to get it down on paper, to see it in total, not bouncing around in my head. When I first got sober, I was willing to go to any lengths but I also had one of the character defects that uh, we talk about in procrastination. But it came out dishonestly honest. Now, is that a rationalization? <laughs> I saw the fourth for what it was, and I acquainted my sponsor and anybody else that would listen the true nature of who I thought I was at the time. Anytime something came up beyond that, or in addition to that, I did not hesitate, and I shared it with my sponsor. Notice I said shared it and not write it, all right? Because my rationalization at the time was, well, I get rid of it as soon as I realize it, so why bother writing it down, okay? And that was good for a while, until I was sitting in the fourth step. See, when you do the work, those rationalizations start to get thin and watery after a while. And I was sitting in the fourth step uh, uh, after being around a little bit, and I says, man, they're telling me that I need to write it down, and, you know, I haven't been really writing it down, but da 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 da, -da. So I did a meditation. I called my sponsor up that night and said, I'm ready to do the fourth step. But they did a verbal one in the early days also of the grosser handicaps, of the assets and liabilities. But it's very helpful, especially on people that return and go out, to do it as quickly as possible to commit that to paper. All right, that's been my experience. Okay. So it's going to tell us what and how to do the fourth step now. Uh, in your handouts, if you turn the whole lead-in page on the fourth step, all right, which tells you about it, uh, and we'll be on page 64 in the big book. The first two pages are an overview of the fourth step, said a little bit differently than what's in uh, the big book, but it's about seeing ourselves, the fact-finding that uh, they talk about, uh, the stock and trade to get down to the causes and conditions, and we want to find the truth about ourselves. So we took stock honestly. Again, that word. And the first one is resentment. All right? I have never met, and I know for myself, an alcoholic who is not angry. And you can't be angry without having a resentment against something, someone, some person, something at all. It's impossible. All right? It might be rationalized, justified, but you can't. 
So the bottom, uh, uh, where they find it uh, on 64.3, the first thing we look at in the inventory is our resentment. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease. Now they're openly, freely talking about our spirit here. We have been spiritually sick, not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institution, and principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, we found out that our self-esteem, pocketbooks, ambitions, or personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. I believe I, I gave this out, but sometimes if a prospect is too new, it's advisable to turn around and sit down with them and talk with them about these. And it's okay for you to write the fourth step for them as they are. This way it doesn't distract you. Remember those early days when you brain fired like uh, uh, a sprinkler, you know, all over the place? Well, you know, that's who, that's who and what we are, you know? So it's up to me to settle them down. And again, as it says at the end of the fourth step, it's only about our grosser handicaps. And basically what that is, is all the things that have been bouncing around and keeping me ill for the years. Now the list gets long, but it's going to point out our self-centeredness and whatnot. But for those who have a little trepidation, which is another word of fear, and we're supposed to be fearless, you know. I always thought that, by the way, fear was lack of courage. Okay, and uh, I used to be a cop. And I'd be the first one through the door on a gun run. And believe me, that's anxiety-provoking, to say the least. I thought that internal fear or the shot of adrenaline after I did what I needed to do and I left and I'm like this showed that I was a coward. But that's how my mind thinks. And I'm not going to ask anybody because I'm a drunk. And I don't ask people what my life is about because I don't know. I have to know before I can ask. And then I don't have to ask. You see, there's, see there's, there has to be a couple of trunks in here. I always thought that that shaking was fear, but it wasn't, okay? And so I can boldly go into my fourth step, all right? And so it's really nothing that you're not going to hear. But for those do, that do have a little trepidation in committing everything to paper, the longer you stay away from the drink, the more you'll realize and the more you'll have to write down. So if you do it quicker, you have less to write. Okay? Now somebody said it might have been a little manipulation, but I don't I don't manipulate. Okay? But it is meant to do. Okay? Uh, now, I always got confused with what's on page 65. Even when I was doing it, my sponsor would tell me, uh, we basically have four columns in each of our lists. All right? Now, uh, just uh, before we get to the columns, uh, because 
just to give you a, an idea, there are a lot of things, and this is a cue sheet for the first column, and that is resentment inventory prompt sheet. And it states people, places, and things, institutions, marriage, the Bible, the church, uh, races, law, authority, government, uncles, cousins, clergy, police, lawyers, and whatnot. This is only, uh, that's the, the uh, in your handout, uh, resentment, it's the third page in from the fourth step. And all of this is is to give you a sense of what goes on the first column. Now, the first column, it's been shown that when you do the fourth step, it's easier to do it by columns. Put all the resentment things and issues down first. Don't go across the page. Go down the column. And the reason for that is by the time you get to what your part in it is, is you forgot your second one and you only do your third one. Okay? And that's a normal product of the mind. And you just want a, a complete one. And I, 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 I look at the fourth step as like uh, Mount St. Helens. Okay? We blow off the top of it. And then uh, the tenth step is to deal with the lava flow that comes later. But it's just to get that garbage out that's been bouncing between my ears. You see, as long as it bounces between my ears, it's distorted. If I put it on paper, it's out of my head. Then I share it in my fifth step, and then I get a feedback in to me, and then I put it back in my head, and it's it, it somehow cleansed where it wasn't before. And that's the whole process. And again, any trepidation, you've done your worst inventory already by breaking down that denial in the first. By accepting your God in your life, and by being willing to turn your thinking and your life over to the care of God, I found after I took my inventory that time and I called my sponsor up and said, okay, I want to do it as it's in the book. None of this uh, BS that I've been doing is, uh, before. I was no longer even remotely intimidated by looking at it. I was intensely curious. I wanted to find out who I was in total. No holds barred. There had to be a little bit of uh, fear before that, a little bit of denial or resistance before that or else I wouldn't have procrastinated, okay? But in my doing my steps and doing my inventory and taking pause throughout the day, I came to that conclusion I needed to do that step. Not the step as Dowdell would have it. By the way, I'm uh, Chris Dowdell. I'm a recovered alcoholic. I, I don't think I... I don't. Only a little bit late. You know? Keep coming back. You know? Keep coming back. I'll, 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 uh, I'll get it. Uh, I, I, even ha I even have it on my cheat sheet to do, and I skipped that. You know, it just dawned on me. I never said who I was. Uh, either I'm crazy or I'm an alcoholic being in here, right? I don't even know where I was. Oh, uh, and, and, and so I, I just needed to do it the way. And if I'm doing my program and if I'm doing my meditation, sitting down and asking my God honestly what to do, taking pause throughout the day, Son of a gun, I get the answer what I need to do. Now I need you people to give, kick me in the butts, buns to do it. But I'll always get my answer when I honestly seek. If I'm, that's one of the promises in the big book, and I found it to be true for me. Nothing counted as thoroughness and honesty. On page 66, and by the way, we're on the page, uh, and, and this is just a cheat sheet. You know, uh, if, if you do it, I, I remember I sponsored this one woman. It was uh, an ego builder. She had about 28 years in the program, and I had about two, and she asked me to sponsor her. Actually, when I honestly took inventory years later, it was that 
she saw something in me that uh, might have been a spark of recovery, and she wanted to make sure that I stuck around the program, so she was really sponsoring me. But we went through, she wanted to do her fourth step because she was one of the old-timers. Back in, uh, this would be about 79, so she had 20-odd years of sobriety, so she went back into the 50s, okay, when she first started coming around program. And uh, we sat down to do the fourth step uh, the way it is in the book, and she did her whole fourth step. The first one she did years ago was a verbal one, okay, and she wanted to do the writing. And, and it was basically done on the back of an envelope. She was a very insightful lady. It's not the volumes that, and my sponsor, by the way, had a ream of paper. So somewhere between a ream of paper and on the back of an envelope is fine. <laughs> All right? It's not necessarily what it is, although you need to see that you're self-centered and selfish, but it's the honesty with which you put in it. And she, she was honest, okay? 66. Paragraph 1, it's plain that a life which includes deep resentment and to the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours? How many times do we sit down and dwell and project and our resentments? Okay, ruminate, they call it. Okay, that's how we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The most important one is the fourth column. What's my actions in this Thing. I can see that it might affect, uh, you know, it, it goes to go across the cause. What is the cause of my resentment? What part of self was hurt or threatened? That's easy. Uh, but the nature of our wrongs and our activity in it, and I'm on uh, the column list, the, the simple cheat sheet, the first, the first one after the fourth step. Where was I to blame? And sometimes it just comes down to I keep ruminating over it and I won't let it go. I had nothing else to do if I was an to give an example if I was an abused child. My parents are dead 10 years and I'm still resentful over the abuse that they gave me. Not the abuse, I'm reinflicting it on myself. That's what re resentment means, relive. Okay? So that's the intention of it, is not to relive my resentments, but to finally get them through, because we're going to go through the other steps to get rid of the resentments, but we have to identify them here. All right, so what is my part in it? How do I hold on to it? What did I do? How do I continue doing it? What, what benefits do I get out of it? And the benefits as a drunk is that I keep irritable, restless, and discontent over the very things that I need to heal in myself, and that's what spiritual healing is. Okay, I get it over and I do away with it. Freedom from resentment is a freedom to live. So, on 66.3, redundancy of what I just said, we turn back to the list for it held the key to our future. We began to see the world, that people really dominated us. I thought I was playing God, meantime I let them dance in my head. I didn't let it go. They were intrusive to me, or so I thought, and here I am, I'm entertaining all the wrongs that they did to me, and they get bigger and bigger every time I replay that tape. They get louder and louder. And they're home in bed sleeping. Resentment must be answered, uh, must be mastered, and that's at the bottom of the page. And one of the things about the work is that once I see it, I go back to my first step, 
And what my first step principle is, is one of acceptance. And now I start accepting those things about me which I denied or just played within my head. And that's the intention of the fourth step, is to see the truth and come to its acceptance. No longer does it rule me. No longer do those resentments rule me. Okay, because I'm going to finally get rid of them. The second uh, one is fear. We put our fears on paper in the same way. The fears go down in total. And is a fear cue sheet. Fear of God, dying, insanity, insecurity, rejection, loneliness, disease, alcohol, drugs, yada, yada, yada. They go down. Again, we put them all down at once. And then we go across. And what part of self have I been relying on which have failed me? Self-esteem, pride, uh, fear of economic insecurity, fear of losing the job. That's a fear of in economic insecurity and it's a fear of self. All right? And that's what you look for. How do I perpetuate that today or how do I entertain it is my part in it, the last column. And then they have the, I, I put down the fear, uh, fear uh, please God remove my fear of whatever it is and direct my attention towards what you would have me do. And here it is, is teaching me for my latest steps on how to take pause on each individual fear. To recognize it for what it is and to begin to let it go. Notice I say begin to let it go. Alright, because again, it's only a beginning. We're taking care of our grosser handicaps. We ask them to remove our fear and direct our attention to what we would have. And that fear prayer is on page 68 at the bottom of uh, paragraph 3. Our sex conduct is the same thing. It's easier to write down the partners that you have, even those that you didn't have, the ones that you wanted to have, because fantasy is a part of it. Okay? See where it affects self and see what it does for you and to you. Okay? And that's in your fourth column. Again, the checklist, we reviewed our sex conduct. Does it deal with guilt and shame? Affecting, uh, do I have fears? Embarrassment? Uh, where had we been selfish or dishonest? Okay? Uh, that's the checklist before the, uh, the cheat sheet. And it's somewhat self-described. And, uh, and again, remember one of our slogans. Keep it simple. It's not meant to be a big thesis. It's not meant to be a head-banging experience. Because we're going to start living a life, and we've chosen to live the life of freedom. So we do it a little bit at a time. All right? But we get the bulk down now. So you don't have to go into the nooks and crannies but if they awaken to you as you're doing it, you commit it to paper. All right? Okay, and on 69.1, we reviewed our own conduct. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, or uh, inconsiderate? Did we un unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? What we have fought, what would we have done and said? What it is, is we're going to start setting up our own ideal from a sense of sobriety rather than a sense of self-will of what we perceive our life uh, of sex to be. Uh, and we're going to uh, shape that sane and sound idea. And there's a prayer in uh, 69.2.
We ask God to mold our ideas and help us to live up to them. The prayer finishes at 69.3 at the bottom. We ask God, what should we do about each specific matter? Okay, and I'm going to just uh, read quickly on page 70 from page, uh, from uh, paragraph 1, and it's going to start setting us up for a tenth step. If we are sorry for what we have done and have uh, the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and we have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry about our conduct and continue to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. There's another promise. Okay? It's not a promise that I want to hear, but it is another promise. There's a prayer right after that on 72. We earnestly pray for the right idea and guidance for each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength in doing the right thing. Okay? On 73. We have listed and analyzed our resentments, which means we really looked at them. For the first time in our life, I've analyzed my resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility. I see that I can no longer entertain them. We have commenced to see the terrible destructiveness that the resentments have caused in my life. We, have le uh, we begin to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill towards all men, even our enemies. We look for them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and willing to stretch them, uh, straighten out the path if we can. And that's setting us up for the eighth and ninth step. Okay, on page 71, and this is the end of the fourth step. If you have already made a decision and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, you have made a good beginning. Because for the rest of our lives, our whole program is nothing but inventory, Solution in action. Fourth and fifth is inventory. Sixth and seven is the solution. Eight and uh, nine is action. And then 10, 11, and 12 is inventory, solution, action. That's the whole program. Nice and simple. I want to thank everybody for coming today, helping me do my 12 steps. Peace and love to everyone. Thank you.